Hey, fam. Hey. Good, morning. Good, morning. Good morning. Oh, geez. You guys are a little sleepy this morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. We can do better than that. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. All right. Welcome to Epiphany Church. Uh, my name is Pastor Derek Parts, and uh, I'm so grateful to be uh, back with you guys this morning. I'm so grateful to the Lord to uh, have a little bit of rest. My wife and I, my family and I were on sabbatical for the month of August. Uh, we just take the month of August to reconnect with Jesus in a deep way and to uh, rest from all of the toil of ministry and all that. But I'm so glad to be back here with you guys today. Man, thank you. Thank you, uh, Brother George. I appreciate that. That was welcoming me in that way. Old song says, oh, it is Jesus. Yes, it is Jesus. It's Jesus in my soul. For I have touched the hem of his garment, and his blood has made me whole. Anybody been touched by the blood of the lamb today? Amen, amen. And so, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to jump back into, uh, I'll jump in today to a series called Marked. Um, I know some of you are probably expecting a devoted series to kick back, but I, I wanted to uh, pause this for a second in that and jump into something that I thought was uh, really important and vital for us to capture and to understand as we look at uh, what it means to be called by the Savior, what it means to be called by the Savior. So before I do that, we're, we're in 21 days of prayer. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll be on Facebook Live, as Mr. Camp said, at 7.30 a.m. Join me uh, for that. Uh, it's going to be a good time. We won't be on there long at all. It's just going to be a kickstart for you for your day uh, as we're going through these 21 days of prayer. Um, and you can follow along in that booklet that Minister Camp told you about. And so uh, another part of that is that we're fasting. We typically don't fast in September for our 21 days of prayer. Uh, but we just felt led by the Spirit to offer that this time as well. Uh, because I feel like God is is up to something in the life of our church, and he's moving us in a particular direction. And we want to utilize all the tools that we have in order to seek the Lord effectively. Uh, and so we're asking you to join us in fasting as well. I'm going to be fasting, uh, and so we're asking you can fast from anything that you feel like you need to fast from. Um, some of you need to fast from some stuff, uh, particularly uh, some of y'all got some TV shows that y'all need to fast from, and or some TV that you need to fast from, whatever it is uh, that you feel led uh, to to abstain from so that you can seek the Lord more fully, uh, we ask that you would do that and join us as we really seek God for uh, his purpose for us uh, as a church in this season. Is that all right? Yep. Okay. All right. So I'm going to jump into this series called Marked, called by the Savior. Jesus began his ministry by calling men and women to follow him and to be his disciples. Today, the invitation of Jesus remains the same. It's follow him, become his student, embrace the life that he's given to you and the teachings that he has imparted to you in every area of your life. And Jesus continues to call us today to be his followers, to be his disciples, 
to be his apprentices. He continues to call us to do that. And being a follower of Jesus means that we order our lives around particular purposes. And so I want to walk us through those purposes in this series. One of those purposes is being with God. And so what I've learned, (coughs) excuse me, in the years of pastoring is that oftentimes we can do stuff for God and not actually be with God. We, we can do things for him and not necessarily be connected with Jesus. There's an awesome book by Scott Jathani called With. Um, if you ever get a chance to check that out, check it out. He, and he talks about that. He talks about actually being with Jesus as a discipline. The next purpose uh, that it talks about, following Jesus, talks about is becoming like Jesus. Some of us need to regather that understanding in our hearts is that the Christian life is not just so that you can be comfortable, but the Christian life is so that you can become more like Jesus. And the way that we become more like Jesus is learning how to sacrifice our lives. It's learning how to give up of ourselves for the benefit of others. Some of you haven't sacrificed for another person in a long time. Everything is about you. <laughs> Everything is about self. Help us, Jesus. And, 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 and I want to help us because I want to help us to become more like Jesus. And the third one is this, is doing what Jesus did. We've got to learn how to do the stuff that Jesus did as we're becoming followers of Jesus. And so I, I'm going to break that down some more today and just bear with me as I'm walking through this introduction Uh, of this sermon series. I'm going to get to the preaching, but I want you to (laughs) walk with me through this introduction here because I think that Jesus, he did four things really well. The first thing that Jesus did was gathered people and gathered with people. I I think as we explore that, we're going to look at that uh, today, particularly how, how Jesus was a master at gathering people around a particular purpose and in and, and a, and a certain cause, he was gathering them and, and calling them, saying, hey, he did a lot of this. He said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he invited them. He gathered with them. And he gathered with people. And oftentimes, he gathered with people that people didn't think he should have been gathering with. See, if everybody that you gather with fits within your affinity group, that's not the church. <laughs> The church isn't your affinity groups. It's like, uh, I'm, I'm looking for a church with young people. No, like you need to look for a church with people <laughs> who have been marked by the blood of the lamb. And so uh, the, the next thing that I think Jesus did really well was that he invited people to repent for the coming kingdom. See, Jesus was constantly inviting people uh, to turn their life from the direction that they were heading and turn around and go in a different direction. And so I think as we grow in doing what Jesus did and becoming like Jesus, we have to learn how to be better inviters for people and offer them a a different way for them to go. Y'all tracking with me? The next one is this, is that Jesus gave up his life for the benefit of others. He did that better than anyone ever. (laughs) He gave up his life for the benefit of someone else. And so listen. I want to help us today to, to, to see that God is calling us to give up our lives, and he's calling us to become givers who give of what they've been given. Does that make sense? 
He's calling us to be givers who give of what they've been given. And so it, it, you don't got to you don't got to come up with something to give. <laughs> He's already given you everything that you need in order to be a giver. And then the last thing that Jesus did, and this is my favorite one. He served those who should have been serving him. <laughs> Some of you might think <laughs> that the people in your life, if they would just get it together, if they would just figure out how to be a better servant of you, then your life would be different. If they could just figure out how to do the stuff that served you, then your life would be better. But Jesus taught us through his life that those who, who are pursuing after the purposes of God are those who learn how to serve those who should, have be, who should be serving him. And Jesus did that masterfully. And so this series is going to explore how those who are called, how those who, are, who have been marked are called to do these four things. And, and, and these are the things that, are, that we're going to walk through each portion of this series with is this. And, and I define it like this because uh, uh, theologians said that, that, that disciples do four things. And, and here's the four things they do. It says that they gather, they invite, they give, and they serve. They gather, they invite, they give, and they serve. They gather. Y'all got that? Say gather. They invite. Say invite. They give. And they serve. All right. So let's look at it today. Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 today. Uh, in verses 23 through 25. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 23 through 25. I might jump up a little bit to 18, but no, let's do 23 through 25. Here we go. Hear these words of our father. Y'all got it? Y'all ready? If not, it's, it's going to be on the screen if you don't have it. But don't worry. <laughs> um, Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Hear the words of, of our Savior. It says, let us hold on or hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Since he who promised is faithful. Somebody say faithful. faithful. Say it again. Say faithful. faithful. Verse 24. And let us consider one another. Let us consider one another. In order to provoke love and good works. Verse 25. Here's where I'll pitch my tent at a lot. Not neglecting to gather together. As some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging each other. And all the more. As you see the day approaching father we pray god by your spirit god thank you for your word this morning god i pray god that you would speak to us today father speak clearly to us your people father and i pray by your spirit god that you would help us to see god how you have called us and 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 have marked us as your people god and so god i pray that as we learn today what it means to be marked god i hope that we will understand that we are called to gather 
And so, Father, I pray by your spirit that you would lead us and guide us into all truth. It's in the matchless name of Jesus, I pray. Let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my Savior, in whom I place my trust in Jesus' name. And everybody said? So, you guys know I was on sabbatical. And so, during my sabbatical, um, one of the things that I wanted to start doing was I wanted to get into a, the rhythm of walking every day. And so, I, I got out there and I started, I started going for long walks, right? Long walks in the park, right? I was doing that kind of stuff. And so, I was going and I was walking and and, and I was going different places on my walks, and I was trying to figure out, like, you know, where, what's the best path to walk, what's, what's, what's the best route for me to walk. And so I was getting out there, and I was going walking and doing all that kind of stuff. And, and it was good. It, it, it was good. I was, I was oftentimes by myself out there walking. Like, I would see the occasional person and, and, and wave or head nod or, you know, whatever it is that we did to greet each other. But, but for the most part, I was out there by myself. And then I decided one day there, there, there's a track nearby my house. Uh, at, at, uh, and so I decided, you know what, uh, I'm going to walk on the track. Now, I had been walking before, and I see people walking on that track. And oftentimes, that was a diversion for me. It was like, no, nah, I, don't, I don't really want to go walk with all those people. Like, I'm just going to go and do it by myself. And so uh, I decided at one point during my sabbatical, I said, you know what, I'm going to go, and I'm going to go and walk with those people. And so it's like 6 in the morning, right? And I'm out there and I'm walking. Uh, and so as you can imagine, the people are out there walking. Everybody is singularly focused. They're doing their own thing. They're walking. But when I got out there, I started to, to, to notice some things about my walk that I didn't notice about my walk when I was walking by myself. See, I started to notice things about how I was walking uh, that wasn't consistent with the people who had been out there who had been walking longer than I have been walking. I started to notice that there were people out there, and there were people out there, all different types of people. There were gray hairs out there. There were young folks out there. There were all types of people out there walking. And so what I started to notice about my walk was that there were some things about my walk that I didn't notice when I was walking on those individual trails all by myself. See, when I got out there, there were some people who, who were showing me that, that there is a pace to how you walk. See, there were people who were showing me that, that there's a pace to how you walk. You can't just get out here and overshoot it because you'll end up injuring yourself out here if you don't walk according to the pace of how you ought to walk. See, I started to learn things as I was out there walking, and I started to learn various things. And, and there were times, and, 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 and I'm trying to walk, and I'm trying to do this thing, and, 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 and there were times, listen, I came home and I told my wife one time, I said, babe, a dude with gray hair passed me on the track today. I wasn't feeling that. And so I started to walk a little faster. And I'm like, we're both walking. How is he passing me on the track? It don't make sense. It wasn't like he was running around the track. He was walking. And so I'm like, man, what is going on? And so what happened was this, was that I immediately became discouraged. I said, you know what, he's, he's further along than I am. I, I, I'm discouraged by this. But as I kept on walking, as I kept on going out there, the distance between me and him became less of an, a discouragement and became more of an encouragement. 
I started to, to, to begin to understand that if I remained consistent, that I would be able to close the gap. <laughs> I started to recognize that if I kept on going, if I, if I kept on walking my walk and, and walking at the pace I was called to walk at, then eventually the distance between he and I would become shorter. And listen, in no short time, the distance between he and I started to shrink. And so there were things that I was learning as I was walking that I wouldn't have learned when I was walking individually by myself. See, when you gather with the people of God, you start to learn things about your walk that you didn't know when you were walking individually. See, some of us believe that all we need to do is have Jesus enter into our lives and then we can just figure it out on our own by ourselves. But that reality is not true. And the writer of Hebrews instructs us today in a lot of ways about why that is not true. You need to be gathered with the people of God so that you can understand how your walk is. See, as I was walking, there, there was a lady out there. She, she had a little bit of a limp when she was walking, and, I, I, and I'm just listening because she's walking, and she's telling the people she's walking with. She said, yeah, I got out here the first day, and, and I started walking real fast like I, like I had been out here. She's like, but I, I, I hadn't been out here in so long. She said, I end up hurting myself because I overshot it. And some of us, family, are trying to overshoot where God has us in life, and we end up injuring ourselves and others. If we would just learn to maintain the pace that God has given to us, we would be fine. And so I want to help us today. I want to help us to understand. And this message I'm titling today is called Called to Gather. Called to Gather. God has called us to gather. He's called us to gather. And, and the importance of that is, listen, as, I, as I've been walking, I've received so much encouragement from people who are out there walking with me. I've got the silent <laughs> encouragement from the old heads. You know how they do? They like, they just nod you, and it's like, ah, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm out here. You know, they, they started nodding my consistency. They started seeing me out there. When they saw me out there, like, on the third day, the old G's was like, yeah. <laughs> they didn't say a word. <laughs> they just nodded at me. And so as that consistency continued, what up, bro? It's like, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm out here. Like, I'm doing it. Like, I'm, I'm getting acknowledgement now. And so it, it's so important for us, family, as we begin to learn how to navigate our walk, is that we have to understand that God has called us to be gathered together. Here, verse 23, he says, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. Since he who promised is faithful. The writer of Hebrews here is telling us, he, he, he's painting this picture for us, and he's showing us that, that there is an acknowledgement that we must hold to if we are going to go about the Christian life as those who have been marked. There's a confession that we have to take firm grasp of and keep securely in our hearts if we are going to navigate walking as those who have been called by the Savior. And so we got to learn how to take possession of the confession. That was a rhyming, like, 
preaching thing. Y'all are supposed to get excited about that. I know it's been a while. <laughs> but you got to learn how to take possession of the confession. There we go. <laughs> see, when you learn to take possession of the confession, see, the confession is this. It is the acknowledgement of the truth. The confession is the acknowledgement of the truth. And here's what the reality is. That truth is not a thing. It's a person. See, the truth is not a thing. It's not a collection of thoughts and ideas and information, but the confession is a person. And see, the problem in our culture is this, is that we think we know something about Jesus because we Googled some stuff online and we got information about the church. And, and we start getting all of our information from memes and, and start getting all of our information from Instagram and stuff like that. But until you have met the person of Jesus, the resurrected Savior, you cannot take hold of the confession in your life. You've got to recognize that the confession is a person. In fact, the word here, it refers to the one whom we profess to be ours. And so Jesus is ours because of what he did on the cross for us. And so we can celebrate that reality and we have to learn how to hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. See, the one whom we love, listen to this, it tells us, the writer of Hebrews is telling us, is that he is the source of our hope. Hope is the joyful and confident expectation of good. So I don't care what's going on in your life, family of God. I don't care what's happening in your life. You have a joyful and confident expectation of good because of the confession that you hold to. See, you've got an expectation of good because you've got Jesus in your life. Listen, when Jesus is in your life, you better know that everything will work out for your good because you've got Jesus. I don't know what's going on in any of your lives right now because I ain't seen y'all in a whole month. But what I do know is this, is that if you hold fast to Jesus, you can have an expectation of hope in your life. And we got to learn how to hold on to that hope without wavering. That idea here of wavering, it means that it, we are firm and unmoved <laughs> about it. See, what the challenge is, is, is in our life is that we're, we're, we're so movable. <laughs> when circumstances come in our life, we're, we're so movable. We're so easily tossed to and fro. We're so easily tossed back and forth. But the reality is this family of God is that you better learn how to be firm and steadfast and unmovable in God. You better learn how to stand firm on the word of God and know that whatever comes your way, you can stand on the word of God regardless of what's happening. I wish I had some people who knew how to stand on the word of God in here today who knew what I was talking about. Because when you learn how to stand on the word of God, you get to understand, listen, I don't have to move because of what's coming my way, because of what's on the inside of me. We prayed it this morning in day one. We've got power because we've been strengthened with the strength of God on the inside of us. So no difficulty, no circumstance, no trial, no circumstance, no know anything in your life is able to move you in fact the scripture tells us it says that nothing shall be able to pluck us from his hand see nothing is able to pluck us from his hand and so we've got to live like that we've got to be people see when you're marked you live like nothing can pluck you out of his hand 
when you've been marked, when you're called by the Savior, you live like, you know what, <laughs> when I came back, it, it was so funny because when I came back from sabbatical, all this little stuff started happening. <laughs> and it was just like little annoyances, like my, my, my air conditioner, my car was like messing up like three times in a row, like all these little, little things just started happening. And it was, I, I could just, did you ever feel when it's like, when, when, when you feel like the enemy's trying to get at you? And you feel like the devil is trying to come after you. And you know what? And, and at times past, like, I, I would get frustrated and stuff like that. But when, when, when this little stuff was happening, I just started laughing. Because I know I'm, a, I'm, I'm unmovable. I know because of the confession that I hold to that nothing can move me. Listen, it doesn't matter what happens. Listen, death can't move us. So you, you got to be honest. We got brothers and sisters who are in Afghanistan right now who are losing their lives. And guess what? Death has not moved their faith. They're still holding on to the confession. Because even death can't move us. Death is nothing. <laughs> Listen, when we die, guess what? We get to be with Jesus and everything is good. We're, we're good. <laughs> See, because death it, it, it doesn't even have any power over us. Oh, death, where is your sting? <laughs> oh, grave, where is your victory? We, we Listen, we, not even death can move us. And so I want to encourage us. Listen, when you are marked, you know that nothing can move you. <laughs> when you're marked, you know that nothing can move you. Because here's why. You're not wavering because you're holding on because you know this. Here's what you know. You know that he who has promised is faithful. You know that he who has promised is faithful. I wish I had some witnesses to the faithfulness of God in here today. <laughs> I, I wish I had some witnesses to the faithfulness of God in here today. Here's what I love. This, this idea here that God has, the one who, who promised, this, this word that's used here for promise is it, 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 such a great word. Watch this. It, the idea here, it means to profess one's skill in something. See, Jesus is like, listen, I promised. That's just you letting, that's just me letting you know that I got this. Because I'm skillful in what I, in what I say. <laughs> see, God is skillful in what he has promised. And see, you don't have to worry. And here's why, here's why he's skillful. It's because he's already done it before. See, and, and, and when we get into challenges and difficulties in our lives, we act like we're the first person to ever go through that thing that we're going through. You are not. Jesus has done delivered our brothers and sisters all throughout history through worse things than we're going through. He's delivered them from, from more difficult, challenging things than what we're going through. And guess what? He's letting us know. He said, listen, I'm skillful in that. I got this. You ain't got to worry. I got this. I'm skillful in that. And, and, and more than that, he says, watch this. I'm faithful in that. Not only am I skillful, but I'm faithful. This faithful this means this. It means that he's worthy of your trust. Jesus is worthy of your trust, family of God. And the reason he's worthy of your trust is because he keeps his promises to you. Jesus is so singularly focused on keeping his promises to you, <laughs> so much so that when he came and was wrapped 
in flesh and he came to the earth and it was getting closer to the time for him to be crucified. The scripture tells us that he set his face like stone towards the cross. (laughs) See, he's going to keep his promises to you because he's worthy of trust. He's faithful. And I need you to see this. Those who have been marked, they hold to the confession. Those who have been marked, they hold to the confession. Those who have been marked, they hope without wavering. And those who have been marked, they have the promise of the faithful one. Verse 24, he tells us this. He says here, watch this now. He says, let us consider. Somebody say consider. Let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works. Let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works. This idea here about considering. The writer of Hebrews is challenging us and encouraging us to fully observe others. He's calling us and challenging us to to fix our eyes on others, to consider attentively the needs of others. And and the reason for that, and we're going to get into it, gathering is so important. Gathering with your brothers and sisters in Christ is so important is because it allows you to fix your eyes on somebody other than yourself. We spend so much of our week fixing our eyes on us. We spend so much of our time fixing our eyes and closely and attentively paying attention to ourselves that we miss the admonishment here in the scripture to consider our brothers and our sisters. And so the reason why we're called together, the reason why we're telling you, yo, get in a small group, the reason why we're saying you need to be here on Sunday morning when when, when service is happening is because we want to help you to get your eyes off of yourself. We, we, we want to help you to get your eyes off yourself. And the way that you do that is to place yourself around other people. That's why there's some people people say, you know what, I don't, uh, I don't need to go to church. I got a relationship with God. Well, how, how do you see, though? How, how, how do you know when you got something off? See, when I was out there walking, I ain't, I ain't know that the way I was walking was off. It wasn't until I started to see some other people, and it wasn't until some people started saying to me, hey, slow down, <laughs> move it too fast. It wasn't until then. But we think that we just good, just me and Jesus, I'm good. But that's not the reality, family. The reality is, is that the reason we're called to gather is we're called to gather so that we can take our eyes off of ourselves and put our eyes on other people. Philippians chapter two tells us that that is the mind of Christ. He says, he says the mind of Christ is to consider others above yourself. That's the mind of Christ. Do you know when you consider other people before you consider yourself, you are you are functioning in the thinking of Jesus. Remember, being marked, excuse me, being marked means that we that we are with Jesus and that we become like Jesus and we do what Jesus did. Jesus took his eyes off 
he always had his eyes on others. He always had his eyes on us. That's why he had his eyes on the cross. And if you're going to have your eyes on other people, you got to learn how to fix your eyes to the cross. Because the cross teaches us that it's not about us. The cross teaches us that it's not about our, our ambitions or our desires. It's about others. Listen here. This one another. He says, let us consider one another. This, this one another here. Uh, I love the one another. There's so many one another's in the scripture um, that point us how to, how to be in community with each other. It, it, it tells us to bear with one or to bear with one another, to love one another, to consider so many one another's in the scripture. There's like 50 something of them. Somebody said that there was like 300 or something, but there's like 50 or so one another's in the scripture. And this is one of them. It tells us to consider one another. This one another here is it talks. It talks about a mutuality or, or a reciprocalness. In other words, this is a this is a reciprocal plural pronoun. I lost a lot of y'all because it's been a while since we've been in English class. <laughs> but reciprocal is this is expressing mutual action or relationship, expressing mutual action or relationship. And so when we're called to consider one another, we're called to express mutual action and have mutual relationships with one another. Mathematically, this term reciprocal, here's what this, this term means. It means a quantity, expression, or a function. This is so good. So related to one another that the product is one. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. See, the, the, the idea, this word reciprocal, mathematically, it talks about a quality, expression, or function that is so related to one so related to one another that the product is one that means that what the writer of hebrews is calling us to do he's calling us to live in such a way that the product of our life together shows that we are one and that's how Jesus prayed for us, right? In John chapter 17, he says, I pray that they might be one like you and I are one. He's talking to the Father. He's saying, Father, I pray that these people who have gathered here in Epiphany Church would be, would be one like you and I are one. And so what God is calling for us to be as a people, he's calling for us to be a gathered people who are our very expression and our very function leads to a product of one. So that means that when people place their eyes on what's happening here at Epiphany Church, they ought to see one body moving forward, proclaiming the name of Jesus, declaring the kingdom of God coming on the earth. The product of one. And that's what happens when we take our eyes off of ourselves. Married people, y'all understand that when you stop when you stop looking at you and, 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 and wanting your spouse to fulfill all of your needs. When you learn how to become a servant, when we got quiet, when you learn how to become a servant and start considering the needs of your spouse and start considering the needs of them instead of focusing on you, y'all start to become one in a different way that you didn't even recognize before. Y'all start walking differently, <laughs> holding hands and stuff. <laughs> y'all be in the store, hey, babe, <laughs> look at you, you cute. <laughs> y'all be doing all that type of stuff. 
But that's what God is calling us to do. He's calling us to consider one another. And how much more so within the body of Christ, when the body of Christ is filled with a bunch of different parts and pieces and a bunch of different people and ethnicities and backgrounds and a bunch of different people in, uh, from different places and different sides of the track. When God brings those things together and formulates them together as one, that's why unity in the body of Christ is so important is because it shows off the glory of God to be able to take parts and pieces from everywhere and bring them together and show them forth as one. Only God can do that. And so he says this, consider one another in order, watch this, to provoke love and good works. That idea of provoking it's the idea of irritating to good works. It's this idea of stimulating something to good works, agitating it to good works. I've used this illustration before, but we got a new washer and dryer. And when we got the new washer, it didn't have the little thing in, it, in the middle. I didn't know what that thing was called before I looked it up. <laughs> but the thing in the middle that turns your clothes back and forth is called an agitator. And so when we got this new washer, this new fancy thing, it doesn't have the thing that sticks up in the, in, at the, in the middle, an agitator. But it still has an agitator, it's just at the bottom. And so I'm like, man, where is the thing, the, the thing in the middle? And I looked it up and I, I found out that it was called an agitator. And, and, and I realized that the, 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 the agitation is what causes your clothes to get cleaned. <laughs> If the agitation is the thing that stirs up the water and <laughs> starts to move the water around and starts to reshift things and, and, and shake things about so that those clothes become clean. And what happens within the body of Christ is that as we gather together and we start considering one another, God uses our love for each other to start agitating some stuff in, in, in our brothers and sisters. We start to, to look in our lives and things start to get agitated and, and we start to start to begin to become clean in ways that we didn't recognize that we needed to become clean in some things in our lives that we didn't know were there started to be washed away because of the community of God in our lives pointing us in the right direction and showing us listen that's not the way you ought to go you got to turn from that way you got a little bit of pride in your heart you need to get rid of that pride there's some things that happen in the context of community with other brothers and sisters, that's why God calls us to gather. The writer of Hebrews says, listen, he says, let us consider one another in order to provoke love and works. When you're together, it ought to provoke something. When you're together, love ought to be displayed. I went to a little cookout yesterday and did my heart so much joy. It did. It really did my heart so much joy. One, because I ain't seen nobody in a long time. And then I got out there and I started to see all these people. And, and, and I said, oh, this is great. Look at all these people hanging out and doing stuff like that. And then God did something <laughs> towards the end of the night. Sent an adjutant. <laughs> sent an adjutant <laughs> in my life. <laughs> <laughs> that started to work out patience in my life. <laughs> and God started to work out some stuff in me <laughs> that I didn't realize needed to be worked out in me. 
<laughs> I'm just telling you. And so what happens, listen, when we're in community with each other, God starts to do that stuff. Sorry for those of you who weren't there. You don't know what I'm talking about. But those of you who were there, y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> he provokes us to love and good works. And so here's what the, here's what the point is. Gathering. You coming to church Sunday after Sunday is not for formality. Gathering together with your brothers and sisters is about considering others. Gathering with your brothers and sisters is about loving others. It did my heart a lot of joy because I was seeing brothers and sisters gathering together. And the more we gather, the more our love grows. That's why we're calling you, hey, get in a small group. Listen to me. Small group is not community. You be telling me to be in small groups all the time. So we got community. Small group is a vehicle to community. Get in a small group so that you can get in a car that's going in the same direction. So y'all can have community with each other. So that you be connected with each other. So that, you know what? That's my small, they're in my small group. You know what? We're going to hang out this week. We're going to go get pizza. We're going to watch the game on Thursday night, watch the Cowboys game. A lot of no-name people in here saying stuff. People with no, no name for their team. <laughs> Listen, we gather. Gathering is about doing good works. He says to provoke to love and good works. Provoke you to what is excellent in nature and character. What is of value and what is virtuous. And then he says this. In verse 25, he says this. Listen, watch this. He says, not neglecting. That word means don't abandon gathering together. That word means don't desert gathering together. This definition is powerful. Don't leave yourself helpless because you won't gather. Don't neglect to gather together as some are in the habit of doing. But encourage each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Hear me, family of God. This idea of gathering, I want you to hear this word. This, this Greek word is the word epicynaga. It, it, it's a derivative of the word synagogue. It's, it, it's, it's saying in the synagogue. But it's a word that means to assemble together in one place. We are called to gather in one place to be with the people of God. And not to neglect that and leave ourselves helpless and leave ourselves without the ability to survive. That's going to walk us through the body. I need, you need, we're all a part of God's 
other to survive. The, the text suggests that to us, that we need each other to survive. He says, don't be in the habit of not gathering together. This is the habit of some. This word here, use of habit, is the Greek word ethos. It talks about the custom or practice of not gathering. But ethos is this. Ethos is the the characteristic spirit of a culture as manifested in the beliefs and aspirations of a people. five years, the research changed. It was down to like 1.7 times a, a, a month that people go to church. And I, I, and, and I, I read a lot of articles, people asking questions about why that is and, and what's happening there. But, but, but the scripture lets us know it's a spirit. That, that There's something, there's a characteristic spirit in the culture that is causing that to be the case. And if we're going to walk in the spirit of God, we must be committed to gathering together week after week in order to push back against the spirit of the culture that says that I don't need anybody else, I just need me. There's such an individualistic spirit in this culture that says that we don't need anybody else. But that's the furthest thing from the truth. You need people. That doesn't mean you're codependent. Because that's what people are pushing back against. But it does mean that you are interdependent. You need people. You need each other. You need to be in church when the doors open so that you can see your brothers and sisters. You need to be in small groups when they are gathering so you can see your brothers and sisters. You need to be hitting people up, getting their phone numbers and having lunch with them, coffee with them, going out to watch the game with them and stuff like that.
exhortation in order to strengthen, instruct, and teach one another. It's bigger than you just showing up in a building, though. your brothers and sisters. You don't know who you're encouraging. You just don't know. And he says, do this all the more. He says, do it to a greater degree. You don't see, as, as you see the day approaching, that you don't need to gather less, you need to gather more. He says, do it all the more to a greater degree as you see the day approaching. Tell y'all this. Remember, I said that or there was people say to me all the time, like, oh, I don't need to go to church. Can I tell you, I used to be that guy. I used to be that guy. I was like, oh, I don't need the church. They a bunch of hypocrites anyway. my relationship with Jesus. I was lying to myself. <laughs> I had a relationship with Jesus, not at all. But I, in my pride, I thought I did. But he tells us this. He says, as you discern the day coming, as you gain the power of understanding, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Here's the power of understanding that we have is this, is that we, when we gather, we don't gather around ourselves, we gather around Jesus. We gather around the one. Psalm 7, 7 says, let us, let the assembly of peoples gather around you. Hear this. Take your seat on high gather together in worship, we invite God to take his seat on high over our lives. We'll close with these three. Remember, I'm too late. First Corinthians 11, 31 says this. It says, if anyone is hungry, he should eat at home. So that if you gather together, pop that up there for me. First Corinthians eleven thirty four. Because if anyone is hungry, he should eat at home. So that if you gather. Those who have been marked gathered. Those who are marked 
guess what? They love the Word. The reason we gather is because we love the Word. That's our first core value. We want to be a people who love the Word. That's why we gather. And those who are marked, they have communion with God. recognize that we are marked and that we are called together. Father, I pray by your spirit, God, that you would continue to teach us, lead us, guide us into truth. God, help us to get resolved, God, to begin to push back the kingdom of darkness, push back the kingdom of individuality, push back the spirit of individuality that, that would proclaim that we don't need anybody else. Help us to recognize that we need one another. And Father, I pray that we would grow in our ability to gather. I pray that we would grow in our love for each other and that we might spur one another on to love and